Good morning, Chapel fam. Right now, as you're worshiping at Chapel, I am in Israel taking advantage of an amazing opportunity I have been given. Uh, Bishop Robert Stearns out of New York City takes 30 young leaders every year to Israel to show them the impact Judaism and Israel has had on Christianity, but also the impact Christianity is having on Judaism and Jews all over the world. It's an all-expenses-paid trip to learn our roots and see the Holy Land that our Bible talks about and the point of location that all the stories we read about in the Bible took place at. But I still wanted to be with you. And so this morning I'm going to share from my heart and really tie a bow around this Mind Control series. But before we do, just want to remind you, Seek Night is this Wednesday night, and Seek is the most important night of the month at chapel. It is a night we really get in tune with what God is doing. We learn what God is passionate about, and we pray and we seek God, not just for ourselves, but for our church, for our families, for our community, and saturate everything we do in prayer. So I'd love for you to join us at 6.30 this Wednesday night. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4 and also Romans chapter 8. You can kind of hold them right there. And as you're turning there, what do you normally think about? And do you, do you ever really think about what you think about? Have you ever stopped and really think, why do I think this way? Or why am I thinking this? Or what is this thought? Do you ever just take time and really think about what you're thinking about? And I think many times we never really think about what we're thinking about. We just let our thoughts come to us. And you say, well, Pastor, you're like, you know, you really can't choose what you think about. Well, I would argue that you can choose what you think about. But if you never even think about what you think about, you're just going to keep taking in whatever thoughts the world gives you. And you have to learn to stop some thoughts and regain some other thoughts. I heard one old preacher say, just because a bird flies over your head doesn't mean you should let it build a nest in your hair. Meaning just because certain thoughts are going through your mind doesn't mean you should let them live there. Just because the birds are flying over, don't let them make a home in your hair. Head. Even in our parking lot, we had this mockingbird that kept making a nest in our parking lot. And as you'd pull up in our parking lot, this bird would skydive and, and bomb dive you as you try to walk into the building. And I thought to myself, I can't let this bird scare our people. Like, I can't let this bird nail little moms trying to carry their babies into church. I can't let this bird intimidate uh, elderly women trying to walk into church and worship God. And I thought to myself, I'm going to protect this house. I'm the, I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. And so I got RJ's BB gun. And I walked outside, and every time that bird would fly, I tried to shoot at it, even though I didn't know this bird was demon-possessed. Like, I pulled the BB gun at the bird, and the bird attacked me. So then it was like straight Rambo mode. I'd almost low-crawl and sneak out and try to shoot this bird, because just because the bird's flying overhead doesn't mean I should let it make its nest in the places I'm trying to have peace at. And the same thing with your thoughts. Just because thoughts fly over your head, doesn't mean you should let them make a nest where you're trying to have peace at. Our brains have amazing ability to change and adapt. Just because you have certain thoughts doesn't mean you can't change your thoughts. Just because you have a certain mindset doesn't mean you can't change your mindset. Just because you have a certain mentality doesn't mean you can't change that mentality. There's a, there's a term called neuroplasticity which means that your brain actually has the ability to change 86 billion neurons. And scientists now believe, they used to believe that your brain cells, your brain was formed after you were born, there was little change that happened after that. Now we know almost up to the point you die, your brain has the ability to adapt, 
to change, to be flexed, and actually sometimes even produce new neurons. Your brain has the ability to change. Just because life has happened to you and thoughts have happened to you does not determine your mindset. Your mindset will determine what happens to you. Your brain is not fixed. Therefore, your mind should not be fixed either. And I want to encourage you today that no matter what your mindset is, it is time for you to change your mindset, to renew your mindset, and to fix it and train it to be the same mind as Christ Jesus. Because until you change your mind, your life is never going to change. And this is exactly what Paul was talking about in Philippians 4, starting in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying, if you don't get your mind right, your life is never going to get right. He's saying you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. He's saying the fruit of your mind is going to be the peace that you're looking for. If you want the peace, you got to change the way you think. Godly living requires godly thinking. Paul is really nailing this down, talking about anxiety and peace. He's saying, listen, the peace that you're looking for, the God of peace, is going to come when you get your mind right and you start thinking about the right things and not about the wrong things. The point is this, my peace and your peace is going to be a byproduct of what thoughts I choose to fill my mind with. We have a choice of what we're going to fill our mind with, and my peace is based on what I choose to put in my mind. Because your mind is never going to be empty. I've heard it said that the, an idle mind is the devil's playground. Meaning if you don't occupy that empty space, if you don't fill your mind with good positive thoughts, the world and the enemy is going to fill it with negative thoughts. It will never be empty. And your default is to take whatever thoughts come your way. But the godly way, the Christ way, the Jesus way, the peace way is to fill your minds with these things that Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi to use. He is telling us the word of God is teaching us what we should think about. So I ask you again, what are you thinking about? What thoughts are filling your mind? Are they what the world is telling you to think about? Or are they the thoughts that Paul, right here in the scripture, is teaching us? We should spend our time thinking about those things that are pure, that are honorable, that are lovely, that are just, that are praiseworthy, that are excellent. And when we think these things, the byproduct, the fruit of it is a peace-filled life. But if we don't think about these things and we take whatever thoughts the world gives us, we end up having a mind that is set on the flesh that's full of anxiety and frustration. Because Paul even said in Romans chapter 8, he said, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But to those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Again, your mindset and peace are connected together. Your mindset and death or hopelessness are connected together. The mind of flesh makes you respond to life through fear, through hopelessness, 
through pain and through anxiety and even through death. Like when you think the thoughts of the flesh, the flesh is going to make you afraid of whatever you're facing. The flesh is going to make you look at everything as hopelessness. He's going to, it's going to make you think of things as, as deadly and fear-based and all these things. But if you change your mindset, you can get away from those things because your negative feelings are going to be based out of a negative mindset. A fear feelings to be based out of a fear mindset. And fleshly actions are going to be based out of that mind of the flesh. And those fleshly actions bring guilt, shame, fear, worry, concern, doubt, and hopelessness. But if I change that mindset from flesh-based to being that of the spirit, Paul says when your mind is based on the spirit, it produces peace and life. Again, Paul is nailing this down. What are you thinking about? Is your mind set on the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit? Because what you choose to think about will determine who you are and what happens in your life. It's so powerful. It is so powerful how your mindset determines the outcome of what you're going through. There was a research years ago in, in Japan where they're doing this placebo effect study and they brought in 13 students had these 13 students sit down, they blindfolded them, and they began to wipe on their arm a shrub that was not poisonous at all. And they told them, this is poison ivy. So they're blindfolded, they can't see, and they're wiping this shrub on their arms. All 13 students broke out with redness, a rash, and itching. All had symptoms of poison ivy, even though they didn't even come in contact with poison ivy, just because their mind thought. They set their mind on death. They set their mind on the flesh. They set their mind on hopelessness, and their body responded to their mindset. In the same study, those same 13 students, they took them, they blindfolded them again, and they wiped on their arm poison ivy, but they told them this is just a regular shrub actual poison ivy being wiped on their arms, but they told them this is a harmless plant, it's a normal shrub, and only two actually had any symptoms whatsoever of poison ivy. Your mindset determines what actually happens to you in life. If you look at life from a victim mindset, you're always going to be a victim. But if you look at life through, a, through an overcomer mindset, you're always going to see life as an overcomer. And a placebo is nothing more than saying this is a fake, fake drug, fake prescription, fake medicine. And we're going to try to trick your mind into changing your mindset into a healing or health mindset. And research shows us that anywhere from 15 to 72 percent of placebos actually work. Like the medical field is using placebos to treat people because they realize your mind is more powerful than any medicine you could ever take. Paul is saying your mind is more powerful than any antidepressant you can take. If you change your mindset, you'll have the peace of God come in your life that surpasses understanding. So if I want to change my life, I need to change my mindset. If I want to change my outlook, I need to change my mindset. Actually, there is no enduring change in your life. You can say yes to Jesus. You can get baptized. But if you don't change your mindset, if you don't change how you look at things, there's no meaningful growth. There's no meaningful uh, sin-killing sanctification. There's, there's no crucifying the flesh. And there's no transformation unless you transform how you think. Your mindset matters in your Christian walk. Your mindset matters in your personal mental health. Your mindset matters with your family. Your mindset determines the life you 
live. And Paul is nailing this down that you have to change the way you think. He says, whatever you think about, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is just. He's saying this all-encompassing, whatever it is, make sure it's lovely. If it's your family, if it's your marriage, if it's your job, if it's your church, if it's your money, whatever it is, make sure it fits in these categories. Make sure your mindset fits in these things because he's saying, I want you not to have a mind that's set towards the things of the world. I want you to have the same mind that is in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, he even says, For we have understood the mind, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ if you'll let it think thoughts that God wants to think. You have the potential to have the same mind, the same outlook, the same perspective that Jesus had as long as you think his thoughts and you practice his thoughts and you protect his thoughts. Because even in Isaiah verse two, in chapter 26, verse 3 and 4, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind... So again, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Again, your peace is based on the mindset that you carry. If your mind is set on these eight things, if your mind is set on these things, Paul is kneeling down, then you'll keep that peace that you need to make it through this life. You won't have, be filled with anxiety, you won't be filled with stress because your mindset will be directed towards heaven rather than the, the, the cares or the frustrations of the things of the world. And it's actually something that helps you move your life down the field. It helps you move big obstacles out of your way. Your mindset is what helps you move through difficult seasons, helps you move through pain and suffering, helps you move through circumstances you didn't expect to happen to you. And it's almost like a, a fulcrum and lever. If you ever remember back in school learning about the six simple machines of the Renaissance, one of those was a fulcrum and lever. And the, the easiest example would be a, a teeter-totter or a seesaw on the playground, where you have a lever, which is a simple beam or, or bar, and then you have a fulcrum, it's something it sits on. And the closest, closer you get that fulcrum to the weight, the less exertion or force it takes to lift that thing up. And so that fulcrum, if you move it farther away from the weight, it gets harder to move. But the closer you move it towards that weight, the easier it is to move those things. And in many ways, your mindset is a fulcrum. And the possibilities are that lever. Meaning, if you can have great possibilities, you can lengthen the possibilities you have in Christ. If you can lengthen the possibilities you have in hope, and you can have a mindset that is strong and firm with the things God tells you to, it can help you move some of those anxieties. It can help you move some of that doubt, help you move some of those fear by getting the right mindset and using it as a fulcrum to change and move things that you didn't think you could move. Your mindset will determine which burdens you can move out of your life. And your mindset will determine how you walk in this life. In another research, they took a bunch of 75-year-old uh, men. They brought them to this retreat center. In this retreat center, they didn't tell them what they were researching. They just told them, hey, don't bring anything with you that's dated past 1959. So you got these 75-year-old men. This is about 1979. So 20 years previous, in 1959, they were 55 years old. 
They told them, don't bring anything that was, that was based after 1959. They wore clothes based in the 50s. They, they, they talked like they were in the 50s. They, they talked like they were still working, like they were no longer retired. And there was magazines from the 1950s all around the retreat center. There was magazines from the 50s. And these men were talking like they were still living in the 1950s again. So they were telling stories and, and sharing jokes and, and living life for this one week like it was 1959 again. Now, one of the things these men didn't know is that they'd done a lot of uh, testing on them before they went in, and they tested their cognitive skills, their short-term memory, their flexibility, their strength. And so for one week, they're living with this mindset that it's the 1950s again. They're 20 years younger. They're 20 years more strong and more energetic and, and more, more excited about life. And at the end of the week, they redid all those tests. And at the end of that week, what they found is all of them improved on every single test. Their short-term memory was stronger. Their, their cognitive skills were better. Their physical health was stronger. Their flexibility had improved. Some of them, even most of them, their, their average eyesight improved 10%. They even had took pictures of them, and they all got to judge, and the average age looked like it decreased three years for almost every single man. And nothing changed except for their mindset. When you change your mindset, you change your perspective. And when you change your perspective, you bring things into light instead of the darkness. And Paul says, I want you to change your mindset to these things. He's telling us, these are the things I want you to think about. He said, number one is this. He said, I want the, for you to have the mind of Christ. You must be thinking, practicing, and protecting a truth mindset. It means you have to think it. You have to practice it. Because Paul said, think these things. Then at the end he said, and practice these things. So think this mindset, practice this mindset, and then protect it. Don't let those birds fly on overhead. Make a nest in your head. He said, the first one is a truth mindset. Meaning is you have to find whatever it is you're thinking about. It must make sure it conforms to God's word, to his gospel, and his character. And to be honest, many of us spend way too much time letting untrue thoughts, letting things that aren't even accurate, occupy space in our minds and rob us of what God wants us to have. And God has already told us, if it's not true, don't let it occupy this space. Most of our fears and most of our anxieties are rooted in nothingness. There is no truth to them. It's either hearsay or it's something that's never going to happen or it's something somebody else said that worried us or scared us. And if you use this filter as truth, is it true? Did God say it? Is it a promise of God? Is it something that in God's will? Is it a revelation of God? And truth should conform to the reality of who God is. If it's not, get it out and don't let it stay in there. So a filter you may use is, is this thought true in light of God's word, God's character, and the gospel? Is this true? Is this thought I'm thinking, is this true in light of God's word, his gospel, and his character? If it's not, I'm going to kick it out. If it is, I'm going to think on this and enjoy this thought and let it generate a new perspective in my life. Number two, he says, the mind of Christ is found in thinking practicing and protecting an honor mindset. An honor, meaning is it honorable? Whatever you think is honorable. An honor has in view things that are worthy or things that are high, things that are, that are great, things that are beautiful, not things that drag things through the mud. 
And many times we spend a lot of time thinking about thoughts that have no honor to them. They're not lifting up anything. They're not lifting up anything good. They're actually dragging our thoughts through the mud or through the gutter. And so this thought that I'm thinking, is it honorable? Is it honoring Jesus? Is it honoring others? Or is it dishonoring Jesus and the power of his gospel? And I'll tell you, fear thoughts automatically dishonor the power of the gospel. It's saying that, that the gospel is not true to me, that the power of Jesus is not true to me, that the power of the Spirit is not true to me. It's not, and it dishonors God. And so if I can train my mind that, hey, this thought, this honors God, this thought, this honors the gospel, but this thought, that's not God honoring. And if I get it out, then I'm automatically renewing and creating a mindset that pleases God and his kingdom. Then he says, the mind of Christ is thinking, practicing, and protecting a just mindset. Is this, is this thought, is this just mindset means it's, it's rooted on the justice of God and his righteousness. Is this thought, is this a right thought? Is this, is this thought in alignment with God's standards? Meaning if it's not, then I really shouldn't be thinking about it because I should want to honor Christ with my thought life just as much as my actions. And to be honest, some of you get the legal side correct. You're good Pharisees. You don't, you don't do the major sins. You don't do the big sins. But deep in your mind, you wish you could. Deep in your mind, you think through scenarios in your mind. You think through things that are not just, that are not right. In the same way, that's just as much a sin as actually partaking. That's why Jesus said in the great, great Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you're thinking adultery, you've already committed adultery. He's saying your mind is the root of every action. And so if this thought isn't just, if this thought isn't righteous, I need to automatically get it out of there and not let it take up a home in my mind because every thought is a seed that at some point will produce a fruit. And so if that thought is unjust, I want to produce fruit that is just, that is righteous, that is God-honoring. I don't want those seeds of weeds coming up in my life. And so ask yourself, is this thought right or wrong based according to God's standards, not the world's standards? Is it right or wrong based on God's standards, not the world's standards? Is this thought just and right? Then he moves on. He says, the mind of Christ is thinking, practicing, and protecting a mindset that is pure. Meaning, is this a pure mindset? And this word pure here in the scripture means undefiled, untainted, unblemished, meaning it's a pure thought. Another way to look at that may be this. Is this thought stainless? If I think this thought, is it going to stain my soul or is it going to purify my soul? Because some thoughts, they, they stain your soul. They commit guilt in your heart. They commit shame in your heart. And any thought that produces shame is not a pure thought at all. And so your thought life, is it pure? Is it untainted by the enemy? Is it untainted by sin? Is it untainted by guilt? Is it untainted by shame? And Paul is really saying here, whatever is pure, think about thoughts that are pure, that are thoughts that you want God to know you're thinking about. If every thought is a prayer, do you want God to hear that prayer in your mind? If it's not, cast it out. Because is this thought pure? Is this thought undefiled by sin? Is this thought untainted by shame and guilt? If it's not, get it out. If it's tainted, get it out. 
Get it out of your mind. Don't let it sit there because it will affect your mentality. It will affect your heart. It will affect your soul. And it will turn into an action. Then he says, the mind of Christ is thinking and practicing and protecting a love mindset. Meaning, is this thought a lovely thought? Is it a thought that you enjoy thinking? Is it a thought that thinks about the love of God in your life? Is it a thought that thinks about the love you have for God in your life? Is it a thought that thinks about the love of God for others? Or is it a thought that is the opposite of love? Is it one that, that thinks hate towards yourself or, or, or hate towards God or hate towards other people or bitterness or unforgiveness? Is it whatever is lovely? If it's lovely, it's going to produce love in your life. If it lacks love, it can produce the opposite, which is fear. And perfect love casts out fear. And I believe you have the choice to think of thoughts that are lovely or, or thoughts that are not lovely, which produce fear in your life. And so is this thought, when you're thinking through things, and you're thinking about what you're thinking about, think to yourself, is this thought lovely? Is it thinking about, is it saturated in God's love for me? Is it saturated in my love for God? Is it saturated in God's love for other people? Or is it absent of love? And there's a lot of thoughts that we think about that they should go right away. When you're thinking thoughts towards other people of unforgiveness or betrayal or self-centeredness, once you let those sit in your heart, they turn into selfishness, which then starts occupying your mentality. Then he says the mind of Christ is thinking, practicing, and protecting a commendable mindset. And what that means, he has things that are, that if you somebody heard about these things or encountered these things, they would enjoy those things. They'd be things that you'd want to share with other people. Things that are commendable are things that people want to be a part of. They want to honor. They want to exalt. They want to promote these thoughts. And there's a lot of thoughts that we think that I believe that are harming us that are not thoughts we'd want to promote. They're thoughts that if somebody knew we were thinking about them, we, want, we would not want them to put them on social media. We would not want them on a billboard. They're thoughts that are not commendable. And since they're not commendable, we hide them off in our minds and in our hearts, and they build shame and fear and worry and guilt in our lives. And so those thoughts immediately we need to cast out and get rid of our thought life and start thinking thoughts that are commendable. I mean, these are thoughts I would want to promote. These are thoughts that I would want to share with other people. These are thoughts I'd want to reproduce in the people I care about. And the way to look at that is, is this thought commendable? Meaning, is this a thought that I would want my kids to think? Is this a thought I would want my mom or my dad to think? Is this a thought I'd want friend, people I love and I care about to think? Is this a thought I'd want to share and give away to somebody else? Would I want to reproduce this thought in other people? If not, it's not commendable, and God doesn't want it in your mind. God wants your thought life to be a thought life that is pure and commendable, that he can reproduce in other people. Then he says the mind of Christ is thinking, practicing, and protecting an excellent mindset, meaning to excel. Is this mindset going to help you excel in this life? Is this mindset going to help you move forward? See, God is not wanting your mindset to be mediocre. God is not wanting your mindset to be average. God is not wanting your mindset to be, be neutral. He wants you to have an excellent mindset, which means it should be excelling. It should be above average. It should be heavenly. It should be growing. It should be improving. It should be increasing. Meaning to excel means it should go above and beyond. It also means 
that you should always be looking forward in a positive direction. If I'm gonna excel in something, it means I'm not gonna think thoughts that say I'm gonna lose. I'm not gonna think thoughts that are negative because I know a negative life will produce, or negative mindset will produce a negative life. And a positive mindset will produce a positive life. But a negative mindset will never produce a positive life. And so Paul here says, think on things that are excellent. Think on things that help you excel. The way to look at this would be this. Is this thought an overcomer thought? Meaning when I'm thinking about this, is this a thought about me overcoming an obstacle, overcoming a situation, overcoming temptation, overcoming trials, overcoming struggles, or is this a victim thought? Because a victim mentality is never an excelling or excellent mentality. And some of you right now have way too much victim mentality in your mind. And when you have a victim mentality, it's like you just draw victimization. It's like it just keeps coming to you because your mindset is looking for it. Your mindset is looking for things to victimize you. And Paul is saying you should have a mindset that's always looking to grow, to improve, and to overcome every single thing that comes your way. So your thoughts, here's the filter. Is this thought a overcomer mentality or is this thought a victim mentality? And that filter should squeeze out anything that brings a victimization. But you should ponder and think about everything that says, I am an overcomer. I am not my past. I am identified with Christ. I'm not being held back in bondage. I'm moving forward in freedom. You should have an excellent mindset that helps you transform your perspective and carry this peace of God with you everywhere you go. And then finally, he says, the mind of Christ is thinking and practicing and protecting a praise mindset. Or he says a praiseworthy thinking in this scripture. Meaning my thought life, my mind, I can praise God just as much, if not more with my mind than I can my lips. Some of you are great at praising God with your mouth. You're great at worship on Sunday morning, but your thought life is not a thought life of a worshiper. Your thought life is not a thought of praising God. And praising God means I'm lifting him up. I'm glorifying him with what I'm thinking. I'm thinking thoughts of his promises. I'm thinking thoughts of his goodness. I'm thinking thoughts of his holiness. I'm thinking thoughts of his power. I'm thinking thoughts of his character. I'm thinking thoughts of who he is and what he said he's gonna do in and through my life. I should be thinking thoughts that are praiseworthy. Meaning I should be able to take those thoughts. Every word we express, every word we share, every word we sing is nothing more than an expression of a thought. If I want to be a worshiper, I have to have a praise mindset. And you can train it. If you read the Psalms, David over and over again is nothing more than expressing this praise mindset through words. And as he does that, it moves him from anxiety and frustration and fear to being an overcomer and having the peace of God saturate his life. And so the filter for this one would be, is this thought, does this, does this praise God? Or does this praise the enemy? Does this thought exalt the power of God in my life? Or does this thought exalt the power of the enemy? Is this thought exalt God? Or does this thought exalt me? And if it exalts me, get it out of your mind. If it exalts the enemy and fear and doubt, because really fear is nothing more than exalting the enemy over exalting God. I have to have a praise mentality that helps me see God and think God thoughts 
A.W. Tozer said, our low view of God is the cause of a thousand lesser evils. And what he's saying is, when your view of God is small, every problem seems really big. But when your view of God is really big, even big problems seem really small. Meaning, the way your mind praises God and sees God will determine how big the problems are in your life. It helps us magnify God. There's like old story, little kid asked his dad, he said, Dad, how big is God? Like, how, how big is he? And the dad pondered for a minute because, you know, kids ask like a million questions a day. And the dad wondered, and, and the kid asked again, he said, Dad, how, how big is God? And they're outside, and the dad looked up, and he said, see that airplane up there? And the kid said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, God is like that big. And he said, but that plane is like so small, like you can barely see it up in the clouds in the sky. And he said, he's just so small. And a couple of days later at the airport, and they're at the gate, and a big, huge 767 was sitting at the terminal. And the, and the dad said, you see that plane? He said, didn't I say God was the same size and he was big like that plane is? And the little kid said, it's huge. He said, but in the air, it was so small. And he said, yes. And he said, God is big depending on how close you are to him. He doesn't change in his size, but our view, our mindset of him changes based on how close we are to him. And that mindset is a fulcrum. If you can move that mindset closer to God and who he is and what he said and what is true, what is lovely, what is just, what is commendable, what is excellent, what is pure, and what is praiseworthy. If you could move that mindset closer to God and let him determine those thoughts, you'll see those things in life become easier to move with that lever of possibilities. And so my encouragement to you is do not let the world tell you what to think. Let God and his word and his spirit tell you what to think. And let the mentality he's told you to have and promised you to have practice these things. Think these things and protect these thoughts in your mind. And when you do, the byproduct is a peace-filled, hope-filled, power-filled life because you have the right perspective and the right view of everything that's going on around you. And so as we close out this series... My prayer for you is that every anxiety, every care, every frustration that you've had, you now see in light of who Jesus is, in light of the power he has, in light of his word, that it is not God's will for you to be full of anxiety. It is God's will for you to be full of peace. And that's going to be based on how you see him, how you see yourself, and what you think about and what mentality you carry with you in life. And so as we close up this series, I just want to pray for you for a moment real quick. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a creative God, but you're also a restorative God. And Father, I know there's many people in this room right now who have had thoughts that have been destroying their life from the inside out, that have been destroying them with doubt and worry and fear and frustration and stress and depression and anxiety. And Father, we know right now that our minds have the ability to adapt and change. And right now, Father, I break the, the bondage. I break the strongholds that have been holding their minds in the past and in frustration and in pain. And I pray right now you help them change their mindset from a flesh-based mindset to a mind of Christ, that you help them think on things that are pure, that are true, that are lovely. Father, give them the strength and courage to think about the correct things. Father, let them know that they have control of their thought life. Let them know that they don't have to think whatever thought is thrown their way. Let them know that, Father, there is a mind of Christ that produces peace and life 
for them as they submit to you, as they surrender to you, and they think about you and what you've told them to think about. As Father, I pray as we leave here, we are our people that shed light in darkness through the way we carry ourselves. The Father, this place, this, this church chapel is a place of peace. It's a place of hope. It's a place of life. For Father, we choose to surrender our minds, not just uh, our, our lives, not just our, our Sunday mornings, our minds to you. And Father, I pray that you mold them, you stretch them, you renew them, and you make them just like yours. In Jesus' name, amen.